Birdwatch Ireland, the largest independent conservation organisation in Ireland, and it's my pleasure now to welcome onto the programme uh, Niall Hatch. Niall Hatch is the Public Relations Branches and Development Officer for Birdwatch Ireland. And Niall, thank you for taking time to talk to us on Community Radio Kilkenny City. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and we do have your colleague Pat Durkin on periodically. I'm sure you know Pat. He's on another my colleague's programme. But we said we'd go further up the uh, the importance people in Birdwatch Ireland and, and talk to you about the work of Birdwatch Ireland because we know that uh, you have a, a huge network of people around the country and um, they do a lot of tremendous work. Oh, they absolutely do. And uh, Pat and Mary Durkin would be, be stalwarts for many years um, looking after our, our Kilkenny branch. They're absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think Kilkenny, uh, they, they really put on the map in terms of birds. They've done fantastic work. And uh, I know that they're, they're very proud of all the events they do in the area. We have we have um, 30 branches across Ireland uh, run by volunteers who do, who do all sorts of events and activities. Uh, and uh, we're very active in conservation and in outreach and, and trying to enthuse people about birds because... Uh, you know, we all we're all I think developing a, a keener interest in the environment and uh, and in natural history. Uh, and Birdwatch Ireland is there to, to help people to identify birds and learn more about them and do whatever we can to, to help people appreciate them. Well, let's get the, uh, the the COVID question out of the way at the start of the program because I don't want it to be dominating this discussion. <laughs> does that make much difference? Because all I would my own personal view is that there's an awful lot more people out now walking walking um, in the woodlands and area. And I should say that uh, um, my own woodland right in front of me and beside me, Jen. Jenkinson Wood was the fifth most visited woodlands in Ireland during COVID-19. So I know the amount of people are out in woodlands. They're engaging with the uh, the wildlife and the birds in particular. So I imagine COVID probably has been uh, maybe good in that perspective, if you could use such a silly term. Well, I think that certainly, uh, you know, that people have, I think, gained a new appreciation of the wildlife around their homes. And I think a lot of people have taken comfort and solace and also found entertainment in, in wildlife. You know, we're, we're more keenly aware of our, our surroundings now. And I also think that uh, when it comes to watching birds, because birds are the most visible form of wildlife that we have and, and they're all around us, I think that people have found that um, maybe there's some symbol of hope there. You know, the life goes on for the birds. They're not aware of the problems that we humans are facing. And we definitely found that, um, you know, the, the, at, the, at the start of the, the first lockdown last year, it coincided with the breeding season for birds, which we're coming into now again. It coincided with, uh, with the dawn chorus, and I think a lot of people developed that appreciation for it. Jenkinson Wood, which you mentioned there, it's, it's, it's home in, in, in non-COVID times to our probably our, our best and our most popular um, dawn chorus outing, actually. That's very true, yeah. That Pat and Mary Dirk have done fantastic work on our Putting that on the map, uh, and I'm hoping you know once once COVID gone, all of, all of those will, will return. It's been it's been you know certainly an issue for for, for Birdwatch Ireland and for our branches because um, I was totting it up there the other day, and collectively we would normally have over 450 different free public events for people to get out and enjoy birds or go to lectures, hearing about them. Obviously, you know most of that has stopped. There's some still some online uh, lectures happening, but mostly it's just people doing it by themselves. And, and we know that on our website, birdwatchireland.ie, our, our main website. We've seen an increase in over 500% in traffic on that website, people trying to learn more about birds. Uh, we've seen an increase in our membership, which is fantastic. You know, as, as a charity, members are our lifeblood. And uh, to see people uh, not just developing an interest in birds, but developing um, an understanding that they can't be taken for granted, that they need to support the organizations that protect them, that's been really, really nice to see. And so we're very hopeful that when, you, when COVID is finally, a, is finally a memory and it's behind us, uh, a, lot, a lot of new people who've developed interest in birds will be ready to, to take part in our events and our activities, and we're very much looking forward to that. Over the past couple of months, I would have seen, uh, because I live out in the countryside, as I said, close to Jingston Wood, many farmers are, com- are compelled by local authorities to keep their hedgerows cut and all of that, and I'm, I'm sure that must be an issue when it comes to uh, 
obviously where birds can nest that because as you quite rightly said the nesting season is upon us and that and how do Birdwatch Ireland view that whole uh, development? Well, you're right. Hedgerows are very, are a very important habitat for birds. They're an important lifeline for nesting birds. They also they also act as a conduit so the birds, like you know, the, the, like sparrows that don't uh, they don't fly over open countryside. They can move from A to B. So certainly, um, cutting cutting hedges during the summer it can be a big problem for birds. And, and for birds like like the yellowhammer, it's, it's it's a really serious blow. That's a bird that's really declining in Ireland, and, and cutting hedgerows um, does affect them. Now, I should point out that under the Wildlife Act, it's actually uh, against the law to cut hedges from the first of March to the to the 31st uh, of, of August. So we're at the 20th of February now, so and people have a, have a little bit more than a week if they're, if they're going to cut hedges themselves. Now, there, I must say, quite rightly, there are exemptions for, for things like road safety, um, of course, uh, and for certain agricultural purposes. But the fact is that, you know, a, a lot of this work could be done um, uh, earlier in the year or, or during the winter at a time when, you know, it is, there's less impact on birds. I think we need to recognise that, you know, uh, the, the, the doll has declared a, a biodiversity and climate emergency and we need to do more than just pay lip service to that as a nation. We need to actually do things to support our ecosystems to show that we really do care about our, the environment. And it's for it's for the, the government to lead from the top when it comes to that. And yeah, and I must say, our, yeah. our own local authority here in Kilkenny have a very strong biodiversity programme and I'm sure Indeed. that is something that you would uh, you strongly support in Birdwatch Ireland. Oh, we do absolutely, and uh, certainly the, the Kilkenny Kent Council—they are—they are fantastic. They—they they really do do well, and they do take their their biodiversity remit extremely seriously, and and uh, produce some some great uh, some great work there. You also, of course, have the, have the Heritage Council there too, who do some fantastic work um, supporting uh, supporting biodiversity and, and natural heritage across the country. So, um, so I think Kilkenny more than punches above its weight, but uh, but certainly, you know, I think there's other local authorities can learn lessons from that. Some are very good, some um, maybe could do more, um, but that's something that we're keen to. to to do, we we work with uh, we work with a lot of local authorities in Birdwatch Ireland to to advise them, to to help um, produce publications with them, to do uh, community engagement, community programs. We work with tidy towns groups as well. Uh, we have an urban birds program that's been um, very successful, whereby we're, we're using uh, birds in the urban landscape, you know, trying to protect those. The swift would be a very good example of that. A, a migrant bird that's going to come back to us now in May. They nest uh, in, in in Kilkenny and in other urban centres within Ireland, and uh, lots can be done to try and um, help them with their nesting sites and so on and to, to survey them and, and, and appreciate them. So that's a very p- big part of what we do. Well, of course, the Minister uh, responsible for a lot of that here, he is living in Kilkenny, Malcolm Noonan, and I do know, in fairness to Malcolm, he's uh, he's passionate about all those matters that, you, that you've that you just raised and uh, he's uh, doing a very good job. You, you'd mentioned birds maybe that getting going extinct and that, but when I was you know, a bit younger uh, the, the sound of the cordon crake was one thing you always look forward to out in the countryside, but uh, sadly it's not longer is common. Where is where are we with the cordon crake at this stage? The corn crakes have declined massively. Yes, there are no longer any corn crakes in Kilkenny, or indeed in, in in the vast majority of the country. And you know that we went from a situation where there was a survey done in, in 1950, where there were 50,000 pairs of corn crakes in Ireland. Uh, today, we're down to maybe about 150 pairs, and they're very much um, in in uh, sort of remote areas and on islands off off the west coast, so the, the west part of Ireland, especially the northwest. So places like uh, like Mayo, Donegal, and um, those, those kind of areas, um, that there are a few pairs hanging on um, but what, what happened with the corn crake was it was basically agricultural intensification and um, you know they, they're a bird that has evolved to live in sort of hay meadows and, and in areas where um, there'll be sort of rank vegetation when we have you know just pasture land and Italian ryegrass and, and, and you know and those kind of farms everywhere a big monoculture of this that's, that's heavily cropped uh, corn crakes just can't survive in that 
and the corncrakes are migratory birds, so uh, they, they migrate to Ireland in the summer, but they spend the winter in, uh, in southern Africa. In fact, our, our birds seem to go to Angola. Uh, and uh, so, and they have very short lifespan. They only live for about two years. So they would return to where they hatched themselves, and if that's not suitable habitat anymore, they can't breed. And if they go two years without breeding, the population just dies out, um, because there's no young to replace up the, you know, the adults, uh, and then they're gone. And so it happens very, very rapidly. And so we saw this decline where this bird went from being very common to being uh, virtually extinct uh, almost overnight. I mean, it was the blink of an eye, really. And uh, there's a lesson there to be learned for sure. Now, when I look out my back window, I have a feeding station for birds out the back. And uh, certainly, uh, maybe during the wintertime in particular, but they, they certainly swarm in all the garden birds there. And I wouldn't be an expert on birds, but I can obviously see robins. I can see uh, green finches. I can see many other more. What type of birds are in our back gardens when we put out our, uh, our, our feed trays for them? Well, to a degree, it depends on where you live and on the kinds of food that you're putting out. But if you put a good variety of different foods out, so like peanuts, for example. Yeah, peanuts is what I use, yeah. Um, Yes, peanuts are great. Um, Sunflower seed is very good as well. There's another type of seed called Niger seed, which I'd certainly recommend. That that particularly is good for birds like like siskins and goldfinches, two very pretty garden birds that come into the gardens at this time of year. Uh, And things like suet and even fruit, like apples, will work. So if you do that, you have a very good chance of attracting in birds like blue tits grey tits and coal tits, they, are, uh, they, 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 they do well there. Uh, you also get different types of finches, so chaffinches, green finches will come in. If you're very lucky, you might get a bullfinch. I had a bullfinch in my own garden feeder here in, 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 on the Wicklow coast um, during the week, so I was delighted about that. Um, you also will get maybe sparrows, if you're lucky. You also have other birds in your garden that may not necessarily use the, the feeders very much, but they do rely on your garden for, 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 for shelter and for food. So the wren, for example, would be a good example. One of Ireland's smallest birds, a really tiny little creature. Uh, they're insect eaters, so they may occasionally dash out and take some food that falls from a bird table, but they're much more concerned about trying to take insects that are in plants. So putting native plants in your garden that support native insect populations is great way to help them. Another bird that does that too is the dunnock, a very common uh, garden bird across Ireland. Uh, people will also get birds like pigeons coming in, wood pigeons and collared doves, maybe feral pigeons in, in urban areas as well. Some people in Kilkenny City will get those sometimes. Uh, um, but really, the, the, the sky's the limit. You can get all sorts of things in. Yeah, and I noticed that um, uh, sitting on that, kind of walking around the ground underneath where the uh, feed tray is for the smaller birds, you'd often find uh, blackbirds trying to pick up something that maybe has dropped. Oh, they would. Yeah. The, see, the blackbirds, um, they, they, they're, they're common garden birds, but they're not, uh, they're, they're quite, they're, they're larger than that, the blue would be. They're not quite as agile. They find they can't really cling on to a feeder. They prefer to feed on the ground. Now, they will land up on a bird table or that they also take berries from trees. They love that very much. But their main way of finding food is to hop around on the lawn trying to find worms if they can get them or maybe spiders and things like that. But of course, if they see seed or anything that's fallen from the bird table, they'll, they'll happily eat that as well. And you can scatter a bit of seed on the ground and, and, and they'll like it very much too. Uh, blackbirds are a member of the thrush family and so like with song thrushes and missile thrushes and then also two winter visiting thrushes we have the, the field fairs that come to us uh, from northern and eastern Europe and we have the, um, the red wings that come to us mainly from Iceland uh, they all, as a group they all love apples very much so if you get some apples you cut them in half spear them onto a branch those birds absolutely go crazy for them they love them and another bird that does the same is a bird called the black cat which seems to be increasing in gardens in Ireland in the winter. It used to be just a summer visitor to Ireland. We have a separate population now that migrates here for the winter, uh, and they love to feed on apples as well. So that's a, that's a really lovely bird to see in the garden, and um, sort of lovely sort of beigey, brown-coloured bird with bright grey, sort of greyish beige. Uh, the male has a black cap on top of his head, and the female has a rusty red cap on her head. So it's quite distinctive if you get to know it.
Yeah, out the back of my uh, house there in, in more recent times, I haven't seen it off the last week or two, uh, I've seen what I, I think is a buzzard watching around and keeping an eye on the smaller birds. Is that unusual? And unusual because I see them up on a, a tree maybe a couple of hundred yards away and they'd often come down and lie low on a, on a local fence. What are they doing? Or, 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 or am I right in my description of that maybe as a buzzard? Well, it could very well be, yes. The buzzard has been a real success story in the last few years. So if you went back a few centuries, the buzzard would have been a very common bird in Ireland. Uh, a large, big bird of prey. Remember the hawk family, a wingspan of over a metre, so a large bird. Um, and uh, it was, it was uh, very unjustly, was hunted and persecuted, poisoned, uh, shot uh, to almost extinction in Ireland. But over the last, uh, the last couple of decades, the population has gradually expanded. It happened naturally. Nobody, nobody brought them back in. They, they expanded naturally down from um, from the, the northern Northern Ireland. Some of them probably come across from Wales and from Scotland, uh, and uh, they they've recolonised a lot of the former ha- haunts. They're becoming um, more widespread now. Where I live in Wicklow, I see them every day over my garden. They've, they've become quite common here in Kilkenny. They're certainly increasing in numbers, but now they're breeding in all thirty-two counties again, which, which is very very good to see. And are and they a danger? To, are they a danger to smaller birds? Oh, no, actually, they're not. No, they're not. And um, so, what they do is they they, they mainly eat uh, mainly eat mammals. So. They feed on rats and rabbits. That's their favourite food. They also eat quite a lot of earthworms, which is strange for such a large bird, but they do. And they also, uh, the, the, if, when they do hunt birds, they mainly would catch young crows. That's the main thing. Uh, your garden birds, like, like blue tits, blackbirds, they're far too small and agile and nimble for a buzzard to bother about. They, 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 you know, it's, it's no, they're, they're no threat to them whatsoever. So there's nothing, no, no, um, no uh, nothing but a benefit um, from buzzards. Just to point out as well, and sometimes people are worried they might be a threat to livestock. Just to dispel any myths or rumours about that, absolutely not. There's no danger whatsoever. Um, you know, I, I, as I said, I live here in Wicklow. We've got lots of we've got lots of buzzards here. We also have lots of sheep farmers here, and there's no conflict or problems there at all. Um, so buzzards are completely incapable of killing a lamb or harming any creature like that. They will sometimes scavenge on a dead lamb if they find one, but uh, they won't. Uh, they won't kill us. They're not capable of, course, of doing yeah. that. Um, so um, great, great bird to have in the area. In terms of birds of prey that would go for smaller birds around a garden, um, it's most likely to be a sparrowhawk that would do that. Sometimes a sparrowhawk will dash in, grab a bird from a feeder. And of course, that's part and parcel of nature. That's the way sure, nature works. Sure, very much so. Yeah. Uh, Niall, uh, when we get back into better times, which hopefully is not too far away, people will look forward to going into our national parks again. So I imagine the whole wildlife setting in our national parks and birds in particular, they have found it strange, I suppose, not having the public uh, in their vicinity in many of these uh, big wildlife parks that perhaps are close to the public. Yes, I imagine a lot of wildlife wonders were, is wondering what's going on. Where have all the humans gone? I think that that's a, that must be a big part of it. Yeah. I know that certainly in, in, in parks close to urban areas, they're probably getting even, perhaps even more footfall than they normally would, so those birds are seeing more people. But yes, in places like our national parks, where people aren't traveling to them anymore, um, for, or at least in much lower numbers, uh, they, it, must be, it must be strange. Yeah, they, they, they must be thinking they're getting a bit of peace and quiet maybe for, for a while. But, but birds and other wildlife, they are very adaptable and resourceful. You know, they do bounce back. Given a chance, um, nature does does, does repair itself and we humans I think we're learning now that we've actually over the last year nature's had a bit more space than it's had in recent years and it has rewarded us you know sure. it's bounced back and I think we're getting a lot from it you know I shouldn't underestimate the, the mental health benefits that come to humans from immersing ourselves in nature from, from learning about the natural world it really is important and hopefully now with our national parks when, when, when COVID is behind us more people will be able to enjoy that and appreciate it and actually realise that this may be something that was missing from our lives they never really knew they were missing it but, but now they do and I think that uh, hopefully there'll be more support for conservation and, and you know, hopefully Borba Charn will get more members from it That's Yeah well I, I think you do a fantastic job Niall and I suppose as everywhere as an, an organisation you're always looking for support from individuals and of course financial support and everything you get is greatly appreciated I'm sure 
Oh, oh, very much so. Um, we're eternally grateful to, to our members, many of whom I'm sure are listening to us right now. And I know that, um, you know, we need as many people as possible sure. to become members of Birdwatch Ireland. You don't have to be an avid birdwatcher by any means. It's about supporting conservation. So if you go to birdwatchireland.ie, you'll find the details there about how you join up as a member. Uh, you get a lovely magazine called Wings that comes out to you four times a year. You get an email newsletter every month. You get a lovely welcome pack with a set of posters. You get to take part in surveys and events. It's absolutely wonderful. Okay. The most important thing is that all of the money we raise from that goes to support our conservation work. And also, the more members we have, the more clout we have when it comes to talking to decision makers and, and influencing behaviour. Sure. Okay. Niall, it was a pleasure talking to you this morning. Thank you for taking the time and good luck and congratulations to you and all your colleagues for the work you do. Thank you so much. Thanks okay. for having me.